Welcome to New Chip Accelerate, the podcast for entrepreneurs by the New Chip Accelerator. From investing to building a company culture, this podcast strives to shine a light on the many unknowns that entrepreneurs face on a daily basis. Through talks with key personalities, Accelerate will teach you how to approach your investors, companies, customers, and roles with a fresh perspective. Today's episode is a special panel discussion about how Black entrepreneurs are adapting to the new normal. Today, we join Kevin Saliska, the co-founder of Integrate and a new chip alum, as he hosts Chisa Egbulu, the co-founder and CEO of Pedal, Dominic Nelson, the founder and CEO of Clevtech, and Pierre Laguerre, the founder and CEO of Fleeting, in a conversation around the ecosystem for Black entrepreneurs across the board, the obstacles, and the opportunities that have come through due to the COVID-19 pandemic. How are you doing, everybody? My name is Kevin Saliska, and I'm the co-founder of Integrate. We are an educational technology company focused on the improving the K-12 schools that use laptops in the classroom. Now with COVID, we also want to help schools go remote to work seamlessly in virtual or blended environments. In this discussion, we are going to talk about how Black entrepreneurs are adapting to the new normal and thriving. Since COVID appeared, over 100,000 businesses have closed down last year. However, entrepreneurs in the African-American community have found creative ways to adapt and thrive during these tough and strange times. Today, I'm joined by some all-star entrepreneur panelists and people that I'm lucky to call friends. And today, I'm going to ask each one of them to introduce themselves by asking them who you are, what is your business, and what are you solving? Starting with Pierre. Hey, thank you for having me, Kev. I really appreciate it. I think this is a great panel. Um, my name is Pierre Laguerre. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Fleeting. Um, Fleeting is a venture-backed tech company in transportation that helps shippers and carriers have access to a pool of vetted CDL truck drivers that can operate their trucks 24-7 around the clock. Uh, but yeah, my name is Dominic Nelson. Uh, I lead a company here in Houston called Clevtech. And ultimately, we help restaurants automate the pickup process by using smart lockers. So we design our own version of smart lockers to help restaurants be able to get customers in and out in 45 seconds or less. And we also have the availability for Uber Eats, DoorDash, and Grubhub to be able to use this platform as well. Uh, we did our soft launch in April of last year. Since then, we've processed over 10,000 orders, been featured on Black Entrepreneurs Day with Damon John. Uh, we got our first customer on the West Coast recently in Chicago. Uh, we got another customer on the East Coast in North Carolina, made the news in 12 hours after that delivery. Uh, so it's been good so far. And I'd love to tell you guys more as we proceed. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. And finally, Chisa, please. Hey, what's up, y'all? <laughs> Hey, look, I'm, I'm happy to be here. This is a call people I look up to. I, I got a little list on, on IG and y'all are all in it. I just look at y'all stuff. So uh, my name is Chisa. Uh, I'm the co-founder and CEO of a company called Pedal. What we do is we help corporations diversify their workforce with scholarships. Uh, and what that means is that a company like Viacom CBS, one of our clients, they obviously cannot put up a job listing for a black woman engineer or a Latino data scientist because of discriminatory compliance. But what they can do is put up a scholarship for the exact same thing, specify the age range, meaning a junior and undergrad, a master's student, an MBA student, doctoral candidate. And we're able to take that scholarship scholarship and source students from across the country for them that fit their exact profile. So while they might only allocate five to 10 scholarships, 
they get access to an entire candidate pipeline of exactly what they're looking for. Uh, and so for us, you know, we really believe that uh, there is going to be a cultural shift to make sure that corporate America looks like real America. And, and we're very sure that we're going to be a linchpin in that process. So to start off with the first question for all you are, for all you guys, starting with Pierre, based on your life and business experience, I would love to hear about your thoughts on how current the current state of black entrepreneur ecosystem is starting with Pierre. Good question here, Kev. I mean, my own personal life has been been rough. Um, as you know, um, grew up uh, born and raised in Haiti, came here when I was 15. And fortunately, I would say I landed in a, um, the right end part of the apple in the early 90s, where the norm was, you know, for, especially for a young black man in that community where I came from. The norm was drug dealing and gangbanging, seeing young men losing their life early. Really, they didn't have anyone to look up to. They didn't have no role model. The person that they was looking up to as their role model was actually the person that was actually committing crime. So that's what they looked up to. And also just getting into trucking myself and seeing how the entire landscape have changed. I can definitely say for sure for the past two decades myself, I've seen a change, and especially around the Black community, because a lot of Blacks are really looking more towards entrepreneurship. They're no longer drinking that Kool-Aid that they've been told from our parents. Um, you have to go to school and get a degree and get a good job and work for somebody else. I think the world is really changing. We've seen a lot of entrepreneurs are really taking charge, are really taking um, uh, pretty much being a captain of their own destiny. So I would definitely say that there is a huge change, a huge shift that I've seen personally in my own self, in my own community, in my peers, and professionally in the business. I definitely see a lot of those changes happening for the Black um, entrepreneurs. Um, and Dom, I'll repeat it just in case because my mic was kind of messed up. So Dom, um, based on your life and business experience, I would love to hear about your thoughts on how the current state of the Black entrepreneur ecosystem is. Absolutely. So I personally didn't come from a tech, brown, tech background whatsoever, but I did come from a family of entrepreneurs, right? My mom was a barber, then ultimately ended up opening her own uh, home healthcare agency and seeing her be able to raise three boys on $13,000 a year to making $13,000 a month is ultra inspiring, right? And it makes you believe that you can accomplish quite anything. But as I enter the tech atmosphere, it was all uncharted territory. I'm entering rooms and having conversations with individuals that I couldn't even imagine, let alone prepare for. So I would say just in 2020 alone, personally was one of the most inspiring and most empowering years. I know it's been challenging across the board with COVID, uh, civil unrest, all of these different things, but to see the unity and see people that say, you know what, it's time for us to collaborate in a capacity that we haven't done before. It's time for us to look out for each other in a, in a way that we haven't done before. That's something that we've led on in, in the greatest fashion. So to kind of sum it up and also to pinpoint uh, where we all ended up in 2020, um, obviously COVID hit, but in January, we received an investment of $20,000. That's not a lot of money in the tech field, but the first time investor that gave us that money, it's a lot for him. And he was like, mm. it, was, it wasn't something that he's done before, right? He was like, hey, I wanna start investing, I'm making money. Uh, he's, a, he's a young millionaire, he's like 31 years old, made a lot of money selling energy, but he's want, he wanted the, me, my company, to be his first big bet. And sure enough, COVID hit, and he panicked. His message was, it was a lot of profanity in it. He was scared that, you know, hey man, I made a bad decision. And it wasn't necessarily about me. It was just the, the unrest of him making a decision for the first time and then something out of our control happened. 
But sure enough, we were able to prove that we can deliver, we can execute on a high level and, and everything when it comes to pivoting. I think last year, all of us got a taste of what happens when you pivot quickly and how much you can succeed. So to sum it up, we were very inspired and, and empowered by last year. And as a black entrepreneur, I've been able to in, uh, interact with so many different people that I didn't have the chance to before because we were all kind of operating independently. But now we see the power of working together. Uh, so, you know, for me, I'm from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, right now, I, our company is based out of Newark, New Jersey. That's where our headquarters is. Uh, you know, when I say uh, the state of the black entrepreneur in America, I think for the black entrepreneur, the pressure has been on. So at time right now, it's like, oh, we've been in fire, you know, uh, and we, we were molded in this type of environment consistently. And as a result, we're seeing black entrepreneurs pop off in ways that we weren't seeing before. You know, when, when we're seeing other people crack under pressure, we're seeing the, the pressure make the diamonds when, amongst our community. Uh, and, and as a result, too, or, or I guess as a consequence, when you have uh, tools like Zoom or you're, you're using other platforms like Real Time or Clubhouse, um, we're able to get into rooms that we were never going to be able to get into before. And even more so than that, we are creating our own rooms amongst the diaspora that we weren't able to do before. And so I think that there is just a incredibly enhanced emphasis on collaboration uh, that we possibly didn't see. You know, I think that, you know, for the first time in my lifetime, we have uh, a president and a vice president that did not go to an Ivy League school. And I say that because I think that our value system valuing certain, uh, you know, to, to be frank, elitist institutions. Uh, we're not doing that like we were before. And when you don't do that, you spread more value to the real people of the country. And it's nothing against the, you know, my, my black brothers and sisters that went to those institutions. But, you know, when you look at Harvard, um, you know, if you look at the report on Harvard after their affirmative action case that came out, you saw that 40 percent of the, the white students at that school uh, got in one of three ways. Right. Either athletics, uh, either legacy. Or they were on a short list uh, as a result of major donations. And so for a long time, our, com our, our, our country has been based <laughs> on metrics that were already established in white supremacy. And so when we're seeing a lack of value in those situations and things that we perceive to be elite and great, we're seeing uh, prosperity become more uh, equally distributed am amongst the community. And, and so when you match that with a community that's already been ready for it, uh, you know, when you when you've been ready, you don't got to get ready. So I, I think we're seeing a lot of the, the, the big side on it. And I'm excited. Definitely. Definitely. I, I couldn't agree anymore. Chisa. So on to the second question, starting with Pierre. What are the obstacles that the black entrepreneur are facing right now and what changes can be done? Good question, man. Another great question. Um, what the um, black entrepreneurs or the obstacles that they're facing? I mean, so let's be very frankly, the, the, the number one obstacle that, you know, black entrepreneurs are facing is sadly to say this myself is the very first thing is the color of their skin. That's one of the biggest struggles that we will say black entrepreneurs are facing with is not that, you know, we don't have the same access to opportunities, right? And but also even when that does happen, when you could put me in a room against my peers, you know, that is white, but I might have a better opportunity. Uh, when I say better opportunity, I may have a better business model that makes more sense. But guess what? Mm -hmm. Him, he probably just have a pitch deck 
his chances are likely that he will raise capital than I do, right? Because simply because their racism is still rooted into, you know, investing into minority businesses. So I would definitely say the number one challenge for black entrepreneurship is number one is the same color. Number two is we do not have access to social capital, right? We don't have that rich uncle. We don't have that rich friend that we can reach out to and say, hey, look, man, I have this idea. I need a hundred thousand dollars to get it going before I can actually speak to a real VC. So that's definitely some of those challenges that we see. And also another thing is not enough capital. Um, there's a lot of advice. There's a lot of a lot of investors that, that want to give us advice in that community. But I think the black entrepreneurship now, we at the point where advice is not cutting it for us only. It actually, we need the capital. We need the support. We need the right support. We need executive support. All those other big entrepreneurs and whether it's white, black, yellow, Hispanic, I think those people still have a moral obligation to really come in and step up to the plate to help those entrepreneurs. So I would definitely say, man, those two, those two things is one of the biggest challenges that I see black entrepreneurs facing is the lack of social capital. And unfortunately, very bluntly, is that, you know, the color of their skin sometimes can't deny them from getting a check that they deserve to get. Yeah. <laughs> Pierre, to be honest with you, uh, there's not much that I can add to that. <laughs> uh, it was very thorough and, and, and very true in many cases. I think the, the only thing that I would add to it is you can see the world in any perspective you choose to, right? There's what's real and there's what you choose to see. For me, my personal experience being the fact that I entered many rooms and I was probably one of two or the only black person there, I had to quickly look beyond what I was taught to look at, which is like maybe skin tone or maybe I have some differences than these individuals. For me, it was like, I can perform. I played football and that's all that really mattered at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And for those that looked at me because of the color of my skin, quite frankly, the business that I'm building, I wanted, I want to do it with people that show love, that care about people. Cause that's all we really are at the end of the day. Uh, but I, I have experienced situations where the people that the, the mindset that I have is not always reciprocated. And that's totally fine because when you're in the trenches, and you're, you're trying to build something, you want people that feel like you, that think like you, so you can not think like you per se, you want multitude of perspective, but the ability to show love and reciprocate and see beyond the skin tone. Uh, when it comes to funding, to be honest, we had to be quite clever. That's why the name of my company is Clev Tech. <laughs> so being clever is deeply rooted, not only in the name of my company, but how we approach problems. And that's all we're really doing, right? We're, we're problem solving. It's no different than when we were in school and uh, we did show and tell, like, hey, teacher, we, we built this. Now, the only difference is instead of trying to get a grade, we're trying to get money to take care of our family and help other people. But Funding, uh, I really just exercise what Damon John has spoke about uh, for the longest period of time, which is exercising the power of broke. When you don't have enough, you actually sometimes that could be an advantage. So I've seen people run through 500 million. I don't even know how they did it. I saw a company raise 40 something million last year and they went out of business. I don't even know how that even happens. But for us, we haven't raised that much, but we have real customers, real transactions. And we're spreading across the country. And it really has shown to us that you actually don't need so much, but what you do have and what you put in with your team, uh, the people that do come around, that's proof that you can do it. Now, if that is not enough, then we gotta, <laughs> we gotta start having different conversations. And the last part, and I'm, I'm touching on your points because literally I have the same exact thing, Pierre. So uh, advice, <laughs> advice is not always enough. Um, 
especially with YouTube, especially with all the, the different channels that we can absorb information from, advice isn't enough. And I think it, we at times we need somebody that can help us strategize and then help us implement and execute. I'm seeing a lot of startups that have access to capital and that's cool. But the biggest thing that I notice is they have somebody that can actually make contacts to be able to generate sales, to be able to generate introductions that lead to big multi-million dollar contracts. So if that was a part that I would focus on is what could we do to be able to have those conversations with the decision makers, especially when we prove that we can play the bigger game? Yes, indeed. That's smart money. And and yeah, you know, even just piggybacking off of y'all, you know, this whole money game, so much of it comes down to relationships. And so the problem that has taken place, I'm from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'll tell you that I think that Silicon Valley is just as racist as Mississippi. I think I'll tell you, if not more so, because of the impact is 10 times X. Hmm. So, you know, when we look at that reality, you start to see that uh, you're, you're a black entrepreneur, especially when we're in the startup game. Nine times out of 10, they're going to be the ones that have a real business. And what do I say when I say mean real business, a business that has a business model that uh, an action goes in and money comes out. Right. That, that is uh, not as common as we would think in the in the business world. And so I think that an obstacle, you know, of course, how people treat us is going to be an obstacle. I think another obstacle, you know, I, I want to see us think as big as possible. I think a lot of times our scope can be a bit limited, uh, you know, and, and in order to build that next billion dollar company, you got to have a 10 billion dollar mindset because. Uh, the world's going to suck $9 billion out that energy, you know? <laughs> so I, I think that uh, it, it, I want us to be able to think bigger, but I think it's only now that we're able to, uh, as a community, truly go to that next level of, of thought and mindset because, you know, we're, we, we're, we're used to survival mode and, and now it's time for us mm-hmm. to really push that drive into thrive mode. And, and that's when you're able to see a, a conclusive amount of big ideas. And, you know, everyone on this call here got big ideas. I, I done heard them. I done seen them. Uh, and, and so I'm, I'm really excited for the next step and, and for us to really push that narrative that you can you can just dream bigger. Uh, it, it can be large. You can take on, you know, when I was in high school, I remember the social network came out and that movie meant so little to me. <laughs> it, meant absolutely, it had nothing to do with me. <laughs> uh, and it wasn't until I watched it like eight years after it came out where I was like, oh, you know, like. I, I like this concept. I like this movie, uh, but we're able to create movies. Like we have a lot of real examples of that exact movie now uh, with people that look like us, that can relate to us. And that's going to shift this next generation of entrepreneurs. And by that generation, I do mean, you know, th- this next generation of entrepreneurs is going to be mighty. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. We are definitely changing the narrative guys. And so for my last final questions for the viewers who would love to know about the future, what do you think the future will look like for African-American entrepreneurs, starting with Pierre? I'm a very optimistic person, right? So I'm always going to say that the future looks bright, regardless of how dark, uh, I mean, how much of a darkness I'm in. I'm always going to believe that the future is bright. So, but definitely with the amount of effort, with the amount of progress that I've seen Black entrepreneurs made in the mm-hmm. past, 
two years myself that I've been in tech, right, from 2018 to now, and we've seen the power of social media. I definitely see the future look real bright for Black entrepreneurs. Yes. Um, even the, the uh, unrest that we are seeing happening in our country right now, uh, it, it's much crazier than it sound. I think it's necessary because those people need to be weed out of society, the people that really don't want to move forward. And I do think that the world is starting to go towards a direction where black, white, yellow, purple, they all, we all want to move forward in harmony. We all want to have the same thing for our children. We want to have a home, a business, be able to provide for our family. So I'm starting to see that for the black entrepreneurs that's actually taking leadership, taking accountability, stepping up to the plate and say, hey, look, I'm going to build this regardless of what the challenges are, regardless of what I may face, I'm go ahead and go and do it again. That alone just shows me that um, you know, even 20 years from now, like my daughter might could potentially be running a, a publicly traded company. My daughter might be the next president of America. So yes. definitely. So my answer to that is that I definitely see a bright future, uh, a bright future for us black entrepreneurs. Um, I just think that we all not just um, the, the white investors or, you know, those other communities that we talk about. But I think in order for us to truly reach that goal to get to that destination, all of us on here have a moral obligation. We have a moral duty to make sure that the things that we learn to share them with those brothers in those marginalized communities yeah. and show them like, hey, look, I came from the ghetto. I came from the slums and I've built a trucking company to five million dollars in revenue in four years and mm-hmm. now running a tech company and become the first black man to raise a million dollars. If I came from that community and this is where I am today, I truly believe millions of other black entrepreneurs can do the same thing. It's just a matter of exposure. It's a matter of putting exposure. the opportunities in front of them, seeing that and have them believing that they can do it. But to answer that, I would definitely say the future look bright for black entrepreneurs. We're seeing a lot of um, entrepreneur blacks getting into tech, which is a market that's growing pretty fast. And I think it's just like, you know, if you don't adapt, you die. And black people's always the last to adapt to certain market, although that we are behind in investing. But I think even being part of tech companies is a huge start. You know, getting more VCs into the ecosystem yep. is a start. So I think in the next 20 years, the future look bright for us as um, black entrepreneurs. I'm very optimistic about that. And I believe that. Mm. Yeah, I actually want to stand up and jump around. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely empowered. Uh, I, I agree with you. I wholeheartedly agree. I think the future will and is going to look bright. I think the biggest thing is is exposure. Like once you see it done, at least in my opinion, once you see it being done um, by people that come from similar environments, you realize it's it's doable, right? It's kind of like the, the four minute mile. Once people realize it was doable, that record just kept being shattered over and over and over again. Mm. And I think we all are inspired by each other, you know, no matter our creed, race or whatever the case may be. But truthfully, I've been around kids, I've I've mentored kids and they say, hey, man, there's not a a lot of us that are doing it. Why do you think that we can? And I tell them my story. You know, I come, like I said, my mom had me at 16 years old. I come from an environment where the the first exchange of business was something that Jay-Z raps about in his past, right? Uh, not Not what he's currently doing, but you have to be mindful that where you start is where you start. I mean, if we all could start, you know, ultimately where we're trying to get to, then what's, what's the fun in that? I think if as long as people like us and others that are across the world, that's probably on a Zoom call right now, having an amazing conversation, continue to lead the way, the conversation will have to automatically shift because it, you can't you can't no longer say we don't have the talent. You can't no longer say that, you know, the money's not there. You can't no longer say our business models are flawed or whatever the case may be, because our actions are so prevalent. They're so real. And we got traction, baby. So I think that's that's what it's about. And the last thing I will leave it with is that the adaptive die mentality 
is something that I've experienced personally, just not as an, just not as an entrepreneur, but dealing with restaurants, right? Like our primary product that we bring into the world, and I call it more of a solution than a product because a product is a product, a solution actually really solves a problem. But uh, being around these restaurant operators, they have this adapt or die mentality. Most of them do. And when you're around that kind of energy on a daily basis, and I'm talking about black, white, whatever the case may be, you realize that we all are just trying to find our way but it's only a few of us that are gonna try to execute at a high level and eliminate all the other distractions and noise that have been deeply rooted in American society that have been created to divide us. And we're gonna find ways to collaborate and win at a big, on a big level. Yes, indeed. And uh, you know, I'm number three, I, I, I listen to the question so hard, I forget the question. So what, what, is, what was the question again? Got you, my brother, community effort. Absolutely. Yeah, so the question was, Chica, <laughs> what do you think the future will look like for African-American entrepreneurs? Got you. Yeah, I mean, you know, they, they say the future is female. I think the future is going to be black, too. And so uh, I, I'm really, really, I'm excited, man. You, you're going to see Fleeting, Clevtech, Integrate, Pedal. Like, these are major household names that you're going to see. And I'm I'm happy for you, whoever's viewing this, because you get to say that you saw them here first. And that's always a great story when you get to be at the bar talking about, oh, man, I knew Clef Tech, uh, you know, back before they, they broke their first 10 mil barriers. So uh, I, I think that the future is looking like it's going to be in our favor uh, because we just aren't tolerating anything less anymore. And, and I, I think that the understanding across the board, um, I, you know, I think. Uh, Dave Chappelle, I think it's Dave Chappelle. It might be Chris Rock has, has a saying that, you know, uh, most black advancements are, aren't, aren't because black people have just gotten better. It's because white people got less crazy. Right. <laughs> and, and, and I think that we are seeing white people, uh, you know, capital storming aside. Uh, I think we're across the board seeing white people get a little bit less crazy um, and, and understand that there's a force to be reckoned with. Um, because, you know, Dom, like you said, I know your mother was a powerhouse of an entrepreneur. And, and if she had had the, the same amount of exposure that we have, that the internet grants us, um, that, that she, uh, not that she didn't do well before, but she could have done even better. Absolutely. Uh, and so, you know, I'm, uh, with the internet, with the, the force that has always been, and with the, the ecosystem, uh, becoming less crazy. I think that we are going to see uh, a more prosperous black community. And when you have that, you see a more pro a prosperous uh, United States of America. Uh, you know, the racism is expensive. Racism is very expensive. And, and when we see uh, communities of color start to thrive on their own accord and, and, and stop the, the, the seats from being pulled out from under them consistently, uh, we're just going to see more money across the board. We're going to see more innovation to, to, you know, there's a reason why fleeting hasn't already been a thing, right? You, and the best ideas are the ones that you think, has no one done that already? Hmm. And, and there's a reason fleeting hasn't been a thing because there hasn't been a Pierre that had the access that he does now. And there hasn't been a Pierre that has the, the, the know-how that he does now. And so whenever you have companies like that come into the picture and you have individuals like that come to the picture, you start seeing innovation on another scale. Uh, you know, America has the greatest uh, potential of innovation in the world, and it's because of our diversity. But at the same time, that diversity can be our, our, our greatest thorn in our heel. So 
uh, I'm really looking forward to the future. Uh, I think it's going to be real great for us and, and real scary for our enemies. So <laughs> looking forward to the next run. I think it's going to be beautiful. I add one last thing to that, Kevin, to how much um, Jesus said is like, I think, which is true, right? Two things I want to do add as far as like, you know, the social impact. And that's something that I truly believe in. You change one life, that life changed a block, that block changed a community, that yes. community changed a neighborhood, a neighborhood changed a city, a city changed a state. Next thing you know, a state changed the entire country, changed the entire yes. map. So definitely believe in everything that you said about like, you know, having that social impact into these communities. And also another thing that I would definitely love to say is that I don't think America, I don't think America has the opportunity to yet become the greatest country she, mm -hmm. she tend to become. I don't think America has the opportunity yet. And I think the minute we eliminate racism into that country, yes. America will have all the opportunity that it deserves to be the beautiful, land of the free country that it deserves to be. And I believe Amen. that I was born and raised in this country. And I would tell people all the time, regardless of the racism that happens here, I will fight and die for this country because my children live in it. I left Haiti as a little boy. America made me a man. So there's mm -hmm. a lot of opportunity here in this country. Yes. We just have to take the accountability and really be proactive and change the narrative. Yes, indeed. Absolutely. Well, thank you all so much. We definitely covered a lot today. And my ring light just went out. I think that's just in time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so I want to thank you all for all coming out today and sharing your expertise. This was definitely informative and helpful to all the aspiring entrepreneurs out there watching this. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into this episode of New Chip Accelerate. If you are interested in learning more about how New Chip enables startup founders to build their business, meet other CEOs, and raise their rounds, all while retaining 100% ownership of their companies, check us out at newchip.com. If you liked what you heard, you can catch the full video recording of this panel discussion on the New Chip YouTube channel as well. We'll see you next time with another episode of New Chip Accelerate.